Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wenza Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morse. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. How's everything? It's going pretty good. Are you, are you going to talk about, about your new project? Uh, uh, that's out, Phases Part 1. Phases you, you Part 1, streaming talk about it. everywhere. Streaming everywhere is about the yes. phases of love. and Just go ahead and go ahead and cop that for me, please, and thank you. Book a show. Definitely. Definitely cop that. Really, really good um, project. And uh, we're joined by a special guest, a first timer, Kevin Garcia, who's in Dallas and uh, does mentoring work at a nonprofit organization, writes and has a podcast coming soon on uh, hip hop and spirituality called Lord Knows. And Kevin, thank you so much for being on. And uh, this is an absolute pleasure, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be on. Definitely. Well, we have a lot of topics to get into um, tonight. We're going to do a, a couple of thoughts on the finals, um, some album reviews. And in the second half, we're going to do a review of Flight. Um, just started off with just thoughts on Milwaukee's championship win and just what this means for Giannis's early legacy and future development. The Bucks were able to have a seven-point win in Game Six to close the series out. <coughs> Giannis just had a, a phenomenal and legendary performance with fifty points, fourteen rebounds, and five block shots. Um, this was also the third game this series with at least forty points and ten uh, and ten rebounds uh, from Giannis. Uh, Milwaukee also becomes the fifth team to win the finals after trailing two zero. And the first you do it by winning the next four games uh, since Miami in 06. Um, to start off, Kevin, what are your thoughts on how the Bucks were able to just take complete control over this series in these last few games and the greatness that Giannis has played? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of things. So I think you were able to see some of their kind of that their lack of interior defense for the Suns was going to come back eventually. You know, um, yeah. we already saw in the very first round whenever my 17-time world champion Lakers, Lakers were putting LA. it on them. <laughs> and uh, before AD went out, you know, like, I mean, and that happened even in the regular season. I, th- I forget what game it was, but it was when AD, uh, before LeBron came back, and AD put up, like, 45 and, like, 15 or something. And so, mm-hmm. like, just that kind of, of lack of depth there against certain teams is going to, like, really eventually do that, especially against someone like Giannis, who – can constantly take advantage of that. I mean, you see, uh, they had to keep tackling Giannis, and he was still scoring. Yes. <laughs> so they, they can um, do anything. Yeah. So I mean, that along with um, in the game five, uh, Middleton and Drew Holiday at the same time stepping up. Which, if those two are shooting like that, and Giannis is playing well, it's it's hard for any team to beat. But um, obviously, even in game six, they actually didn't play very well um, mm-hmm. offensively, at least. And but Giannis had a monster game and cemented himself as an all-time great already at 26 uh, by doing what he did. So um, it, it was it was a very interesting series how it transitioned from the first two games to then the rest of the series. Yeah, and, and, and Savon, like, it, it's a really uh, g- good point that Kevin brought up with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton also stepping up in, in Game 5 on the road. Like, in terms of just how this series played out, we, we saw it going much differently after the first two games. What are your overall thoughts on how this ended and just the dominance that Giannis has played along with how the other supporting uh, supporting cast players and um, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were really able to step up, even by Bobby Portis and in a uh, central game? Yeah, I, I like Drew Holiday. I love Chris Middleton. Um, I never knew Chris Middleton was a G League player. It just makes me like him a lot more. But let's talk about Bobby Porter. That guy, big eyes, bulge. Yeah, man. I <laughs> call him Bobby. Eyes. 
He, he deserves name. Not Bobby. He didn't Bobby. His name is Bobby. Guy, guy's hitting <laughs> got <threes>. emphasis. <laughs> yeah, we gotta adjust his name, man. I don't know who what his parents was thinking. His name is Bobby. So, but him coming off the bench, him bringing great minutes on the front court and backcourt, making three pointers that a lot of guys in big moments would have missed. He came up. I mean, he did cause you know. Um, a technical foul by running down the court, but he was upset, whatever, whatever. High stepping. <laughs> High stepping, eyes just bulging out of his head. But he was one of the difference makers. I think just like what Jeff Green was a difference maker for uh, the mm. Brooklyn Nets at that one point, this is important yeah. as he was a difference maker. But Giannis, man, he, he earned my respect. A lot of guys know what he was going to do. He, he got to his points. He bully balled. Um, he, he he was, you know, fearless in some moments. He was great in, in every aspect of the game. He stayed with the team, 50 points. This is what the fifth team, whoever trailing um 2-0 and then go on yeah. to win the NBA finals. This is crazy. I don't think he's an all-time great just yet, but I, I do think he's going down the right path. Finals MVP got a nod yeah. for Shaq. And, that, and that's the thing I want to get to. What do you think is keeping him from being an all-time great? Because there, there have been the shooting struggles, but in yes. this game, he was like 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Just, you know, very efficient, which we don't usually see. But, like, what, in your opinion, do you think particularly is what he's, like, is kind of keeping him back from being an all-time great just, just for, for right now? I'm happy you mentioned that. I forgot to mention that. Uh, his 17 and 19 is the reason why they won game six. Game six. I almost said game 16. Yeah. Where's my mind at? But <laughs> I think it's his ability to have a bag, as it's so eloquently put, when it comes to basketball, having different elements of your game. Yes, we know you can play bully ball when it matters the most. He had 50 points, I think, in game three that he still lost. Sometimes you're going to have – yeah. yeah, game two, sorry. And sometimes you're going to have guys who can stop that bully ball. You're going to have to have another angle. I know you do mm-hmm. Euro. He does Euro step and spin move. We're going to have to have a, a jump shot. You're going to have to be able to shoot from the perimeter. I don't know if the game will transition back into what Shaq says, bully ball, but Giannis is going to have to find a different element of his game if he wants to be considered all-time great. Like I always say, he can't you know, always run halfback dive and lay it up. So, um, yeah, I mean, so, some guys can, though, for, for a while, you know. Um, I, I think I'm saying all-time because I look at, like, the projection of someone at 26 and, like, I mean, everyone's seen kind of the little, the little – uh, the graphic where LeBron at age 26, Michael Jordan at age 26. And obviously that doesn't mean Giannis is going to go on to win that many or anything, but yeah. I'm just thinking of how many players period have ever won two MVPs, a defensive player of the year and a finals MVP and just a championship. Already at like, 26. Yeah. That's like just his projection. Even if he just continues to do what he did the last two seasons and which is merely mm-hmm. average 33 and 15 or whatever it was. Um, yeah. Having that one ring is like insane. Whenever you have it the way he got it, like like a Dirk ring, like a Dirk ring just carries so much weight for Dirk or Kevin Garnett. Look how he would be getting considered or Paul Pierce, like that group. Which I hate the Celtics and that group sometimes carries all their stuff a little too far. But um, uh, <laughs> you know, like it, it just kind of carries a lot of weight. Like you always have that in your back pocket, no matter what anyone's gonna say. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say. Obviously, longevity uh, is still going to need to see more from them. And there's always going to be some people maybe who are uh, talking about the injuries this season, of course. You know, um, there was a lot yeah. of those. I tend to still give people credit for what happens. You know, um, hey, uh, you made it through. You kept yourself healthy. However, you I was going to say. In front of you. 
Yeah, yeah. You beat who was in front of you. The, uh, the only time I was maybe going to bring it up is whenever Giannis does throw the little dig at the other teams. I was like, hold on. If you're going to insult the, yeah. the the Lakers the super or teams. the Brooklyn Nets, I, then someone can maybe have the right to bring it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and that is another thing because, like, him staying with this team and not going to another destination and, and, and just kind of, like, staying rooted from – from where he's been out from the jump was another thing that people were bringing up a lot. Um, transitioning to just kind of like the tough, lo- the, the, the tough loss for the Suns and just Chris Paul and how tough it'll be for him to, you know, get back there and for Phoenix just in general. Um, for the Suns, the momentum and, and clear cohesiveness we saw in the first two games and just the postseason wasn't at the same level at the end of the series. And when you look at the cornerstones and um, the future of this team with DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker, they didn't have strong shooting performances. Aiden went 4-12 from the field. Mm-hmm. Booker went 8 of 22 from uh, the field and finished with six turnovers. And for Chris Paul's future, he does have a player option for the 2021-2022 uh, mm-hmm. campaign on his contract. And the decision you know, he makes would have definitely impact Phoenix's outlook uh, next season. Um, but to you, Kevin, what do you think were some of the biggest reasons for Phoenix's loss? And just your thoughts on Chris Paul's future as what the decision he makes will definitely impact how this team looks um, for the next season. Yeah, I mean, kind of like what I mentioned earlier, I think just having lack of multiple dudes who can defend the paint well. I mean, yeah. Aiton can only do so much, and he was still getting cooked a bit. But, like, after that, anybody else trying to stop a big, is it it's, doesn't even matter how good they do in other areas. Because what, what was it? Was it game five where both teams shot, like, 60% or something? And yes. um, at a certain point, if you can't, like, kind of dig down and stop the other team, it's ultimately not really going to matter much. Um so I think that's really the biggest part because, um, I mean, Chris Paul had games where he played well. Booker put up 40 and, uh, you know, had other games where he studied very well. Um, Aiton had some solid games, kind of, not as much in the finals. but um, right. And so if you just can't defend that part, that's the other team's strength, um, which, you know, there's been a big surge in big men winning. Uh, look at all the teams that have been winning the championships the last three years. They're big teams, you know. Um the Raptors, they were big. They had Marc Gasol. They had Serge Ibaka. Mm, Kawhi played in the paint. Yeah, Siakam. Even Kyle yeah. Lowry for a point guard, you know. People yeah. joke about how, how thick he is. <laughs> 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 and um, obviously the Lakers were, were huge with uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and, you know, all that. And then this year, another big JaVale team. McGee. Yeah, JaVel McGee mm. there in the paint. Yeah, and so um, I, I think not being able to have multiple people in there kind of in the mix – really hurt him because even whenever the two guards played well, um, they just weren't able to kind of consistently at least make it more of a struggle. There's times where Giannis right. is just doing whatever he feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Savon, to you, like from what you saw in the like the, the first three series that that Phoenix was able to do in, in the West compared to what happened now, what really stood out to you in terms of what went wrong? And also, how do you feel Chris Paul's future will, will play out for this offseason? Ooh, tough question. CP3 was 16th season, been in NBA Finals finally, tasted that. It's going to be extremely difficult to repeat that. Does he go to another team or does he stay with the Phoenix Suns? Right. 16th season, I think he will want to get a championship ring. I think he'll look to go um, and find another team. I think the Lakers will be the best fit, one, because you already have a friendship with LeBron James. It's going to be easy to do the one-two game with AD. Not taking anything for DeAndre Aiden. I think their one-two punch game was really um, really good. But I think with AD, I think it would be even smoother because mm. AD, AD can shoot from the three-point line as well. But mm-hmm. for the West, man, I don't know. 
we had a clear-cut winner. They were up 2-0. <laughs> and then they they go down. Um, you know, they I guess it kind of resulted back to the old days of bully basketball. Like um, like Kevin said, I think when you have a big man, you have a solidified big man who can be able to do it. You And it's crazy. I look at Joel Embiid. He's not that prototypical big man, but De- DeAndre Aiden was, uh, Sergi Baca is, Marcus Gasol is, AD has a little bit in there in him. But I think when you go back to that bully basketball and you're so afraid to foul these guys and then he makes 17 of 19, it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult to, to win. They were baking on him missing his free throws and taking 30, 30 years just to shoot it. But I don't know. I mean, we thought the West was going to have a clear-cut win, but, you know, sometimes it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And the, um, you know, Milwaukee Bucks finished. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Kevin, uh, before we move on to the next topic, what are kind of some of your thoughts on the outlook for next season in, ter- in terms of, like, some of the, the maybe the West favorites and East favorites? Because we didn't see, like, the clear-cut favorites in this finals. Like, do you think we're going to see a season next year where – some of like the teams like the LA, the Brooklyn, the Golden States may be like near the top again if, if everything plays out and you know they're able to stay healthy. If able to stay healthy, then I, I would think so. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, Brooklyn will make it from the uh, the East. I think that was going to happen before everybody besides Katie got hurt over there. Um, and I think that uh, I'm a little biased, <laughs> but I do think the Lakers <laughs> and any potential moves they might make. Because clearly there's going to be some moves, and we got to kind of wait and see. I mean, there's rumors of the Warriors being able to trade their seven and fourteen pick and Wiseman for Dame, or trading those picks for Bradley Beal, which would be insane. I mean, terrible for their defense, but like it would be insane on the offense. Like, I still have the feeling feeling that Dame is going to go to Philly. Philly, I, 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 that's I if I had if I was forced to bet money, that's kind of where I would bet too. Yeah, um, but I have no clue. So some of that's going to just depend on how it goes. I mean, there's rumors today of Kyle Lowry and uh, DeMar DeRozan wanting to go mm-hmm. to the Lakers. So, yeah, I mean, I saw that. I, I, it's hard to tell right now until we see some of the, the movement, but it looks like there's going to be a lot of movement kind of happening. So, you know, I have to wait and see on parts of it, but you know, the Lakers, the Lakers always seem to manage to get some people. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, transitioning to the NFL and just thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers um, ongoing conflict and, and where he could end up. Um, Rodgers has not attended any Green Bay offseason activities, according to reports. And it's been very clear over the last few months that he doesn't want to return to the team. And there's no clear showing that he will report for training camp, which starts for them July 27th. And the first practice is the 28th. Um, but to Kev- but Kevin, to you, like, what are your thoughts on how the situation has culminated into um, a lot of his function? And, and we have a, a Green Bay Packers fan in Savon Morris, who's not <laughs> no. happy at all, at, at all about this. Not at all. I'm a <laughs> But, but, I'm but a Kevin, massive Green Bay fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kevin, to you, kind of like, what are your thoughts on how this situation has played out, and, and just how it could could um could end before the season, or do you think um they, they'll they'll still keep him? Uh, man, like I said, I am a I am a lifelong lifelong hardcore always forever Green Bay fan. So this yeah, is a very maybe. personal situation. <laughs> this is. <laughs> If, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, then I'm going to do what my friend does every time the Cowboys don't make the playoffs and he starts tweeting out, I'm supporting Cap now again and just doesn't watch football. That might be what I have to do for a couple of years because uh, this whole situation has just been terrible. You would think if you have a generational talent like Aaron Rodgers that you kind of just whatever he's seeming to want and whatever he kind of does, as long as it's reasonable, you kind of go with it. Aaron Rodgers seems like the type of person that 
um, has certain principles that if, or maybe desiring respect or desiring help on certain things that if it goes against him, he kind of just holds that. And so I'm very pessimistic that something's going to be worked out with Green Bay. Um, and I don't mean for sure that they trade him right before the season, but it could be a, it could want to be one of those ugly things that kind of last into the season. Whereas Green Bay saying we're not going to do it. It could wind up being like how the James Harden thing was where you're like, Hey, he's just awkwardly around. Yeah. Let's just kind of get something happening. Um, I don't know if I'm lowering my expectations so I don't get hurt, <laughs> but that that's kind of my uh, perspective a little bit. Cause even today they just um, uh, had a report come out about how Devonte Adams uh, rejected a long-term deal from green Bay too. So if he's doing that, then um, he's probably indicating, Hey, I don't want to be here for a rookie quarterback or well, a second year quarterback. He's indicating Rogers is not going to be here. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't seem to be good or that wouldn't even help Aaron Rodgers' desire to stay in green Bay either. If the receiver yeah. doesn't want to be there a long time. Definitely. Um, save on to you kind of like, what are your thoughts on how this has played out and just kind of, the, you know, we saw last year this team was, you know, one game away from from going to Super Bowl, have a close lo- a close loss against Tampa Bay and just uh-huh. a lot of, you know, upward trajectory that we saw in, in this last season. And now this offseason, we're seeing just a completely different story and possibly a, a different de- destination for Rodgers. You know what? All I got to say, baby, come back. <laughs> 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 nah, man. Um, man, I just. Want Aaron just to come back at least for two more years. He's he's getting there to age. He's still, I mean, one of his best seasons last year. And mm-hmm. I don't think Jordan Love can be able to to do what we need him to do. I think he can win games. I think our running game is really good. I think our wide receiver core has strengthened. Devontae Adams didn't, you know, take the deal. They stopped with the extension talk. He, the deal they wanted to give him would have not made him the, the highest paid wide receiver. I think DeAndre Hopkins has that that title at the moment, but he his 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 career is up in the air because of the vaccination. So we don't know if he's gonna play or not either. <laughs> but just looking at it, and then the moves that the Packers have made this offseason really made me mad. I won't say the other word. You go get Blake Bortles. Why? <laughs> it's okay, Maurice can believe it out. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Bortles, why? Like, I think I've talked about this before. Like, I do not like Blake Bortles. I didn't like <laughs> him out of UCF. Why? I don't understand why the Jaguars picked him that high either. But we get Blake Bortles. We draft Jordan Love a couple years ago. There were other yeah. capable quarterbacks who could sit by Aaron Rodgers. It's the, the front office kind of is, man, we don't have, you know, the typical general we have a general manager but typical you know front office because the fans the fans are you know kind of the owners but man i just i don't know i just wish i wish aaron Rodgers could break could just come on back just for at least two more years because i think our defense is going to be there i think we'll have another shot to run for the for the super bowl they can still make a super bowl run yeah I'm still mad yeah. at the, the the field goal. Who whose idea was to kick the field goal? Oh, <laughs> and give give Tom Brady back the ball. <laughs> but Everybody know, I, but the Bucks fans. <laughs> yeah, he would answer on on uh, who uh, was the uh, um what's the show? Jeopardy double. I mean Jeopardy. He wouldn't answer the guy. Yeah, like, who, who decided to kick the field goal? He's like ah, <laughs> that's it wasn't not answer. <laughs> it wasn't me. But I do think Aaron Rodgers likes to be in control though. I think yeah. this situ- he, he wants to control the situation because that would have made him the highest quarterback paid ever. But I guess mm-hmm. he wants to make a point, you really need me. I want to show that you really need me. But if Jordan Love comes out and we win, you know, 
eight or nine games and our defense keeps us in the running, which I think they can. I think the secondary has, has grown. So I don't know, Aaron. Can you be like a Tom Brady, go to another team with a Super Bowl right the first year? I don't know. Mm. Only a handful can actually pull that off. I mean, yeah. and that's another thing with Tampa Bay, like they're the defending champs. Brady is just, you know, still able to play at this extremely high level. Kansas City, they're rebuilding their offensive line. Um, Julio Jones goes to Tennessee. We're seeing some different, you know, outlooks for, for, for the hierarchy of teams. Like, in, Kevin, in terms of just like the hierarchy of the NFC and AFC, like, do you think we could possibly see like Tampa Bay get back there again or maybe even Kansas City? Like, how do you think the, the possible hierarchy of the AFC and NFC could play out this season. Yeah, I, I honestly, so usually in the NFL, like a lot of times these teams, like uh, especially teams that lose, it's so weird how a team in the Super Bowl can lose and like the whole team goes away. But especially with these two teams, they happen to have a lot of players still returning. Yeah. Um, and so especially the Bucs, I think they had like literally everybody returning, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, like one of the, yeah, like one of the highest like ever for a team that won the Super Bowl. So they're positioned very well because contrary to like, say the chiefs, the bucks are very, very, very good defensively. And Tom Brady played very good, but he didn't have to play perfect every single game, you know? And so, um, and I would never honestly at this point really bet against the chiefs as long as Pat Mahomes is healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless the other team has a great defensive line again, because we saw how that looked in the super bowl, but even still, I feel like they might, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like that made. I mean, he didn't even have a chance. He was throwing. He was falling backwards with his eyes closed and still made a couple passes. And yeah, but I, I would, in regards to the top, uh, it, it seems like they would still be able to make those kind of runs. But it's always hard to tell because there's always a couple of players maybe who did okay and they sign a little bit elsewhere, or you know, just another year added on the bodies of certain players that are getting tired or getting injured or things like that, but especially particularly the Bucks, as long as there's no major drop or injuries, they mm-hmm. seem to be positioned very, very well for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Savon, to you, kind of like in, in looking at Tampa Bay and Kansas City, do you think there's another team that can get in there and maybe disrupt and make a, a Super Bowl run, or do you feel as though those those two teams are still positioned very well, as Kevin was saying, to get to another Super Bowl appearance? Green Bay Packers, what do you mean? Come on. Like, <laughs> No oh, brainer. Yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> no brainer. Like, no, yeah. serious. Like, Green, the Green Bay Packers, we had one of the top defenses last year. We had one of the top off, offenses last year. We, we, you know, had a couple follies against <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but. I know. The start was, was a, so bad. I remember that podcast before. I remember that podcast before the game. Like, you were you were on such a high. You're like, well, so we got this. We got this. Come we're on, Smith yeah. Brothers. <laughs> we, the Smith Brothers, Preston is a dirt man. The secondary look well. No, I, I'm not a fan. Let, let me ask you, Kevin. Do you like Kevin King? Just, just, just tell me. Did you? Mm, did you like no. <laughs> okay, that's no. a true Green Bay Packers fan. No. I didn't. I didn't like him when we drafted him. I was like, why? Where did we find these secondary guys? Like, I think he was what from um, where? Where is Kevin King from? From like a one of those Washington? I think he was from like Washington or something like that. Mm. Is that what it was? I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. But I do think another team besides the Green Bay Packers has it. You're gonna you're gonna hate me for a while. Seattle? Like, no. The Rams. Even though Cam Akers oh, just with went Matthew out Stafford. With, yeah, he just got Cam Akers just got a tore ACL. Yeah. I completely but forgot. They still have a great defense, great front mm-hmm. seven, secondary is pretty good. Matthew Stafford's gonna have the ability to stretch his legs a little bit. 
have a fresh. This is the best situation he's going to be yeah. in. Oh, in, for in sure. You know, it's crazy. I hate they they allow Matthew to lead, but they allow you know Mr. Johnson to slide out mm. of there, man. Because I what have a different venue? We could be still watching a, one of the greatest wide receivers ever in Calvin mm-hmm. Johnson if he was still been playing. I think he would have surpassed you know Jared Jared Rice. In my opinion, I don't know if I'm going crazy now, but Calvin Johnson was just a monster. Yeah, the, he, he had, had the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I think the Rams has the opportunity to to run it back. Um, yes. mm, I'm gonna give you one more team, Chicago. No, I'm joking. All right, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Fields. <laughs> um, but, but now you're listening to our album reviews, and to start off with Matt Comey's uh, "Pray for Haiti," um, Comey's latest album from May. This was just a very definitive and ambitious project. And you have him reuniting with West Side Gun, uh, West Side Gun, and a clinic is just really being put on the on, on from the jump. Like the opening song, the Twenty Six Letter, where he's rapping about a sort of alchemy, and his lyrics are just packed with effective storylines and clever similes that used to be seen as the default setting um, for East Coast rappers. Uh, but to you, Kevin, kind of like what were your initial thoughts of this album as one that just you know had very sharp lyrics and uh, exceptional detail? Yeah, uh, like I said before, I I didn't even know who this was. And I'm I constantly listen to rap. Like I'm always listening to rap, good rap, bad rap. I love it all almost. Yeah. Um, well not all of it, but like, you know, and so whenever I was listening to this, I listened to it probably a good fifteen times just this week already. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. At first it kind of threw me off a little bit, the first song. It was just kind of like, Oh, letter. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was kinda like, Okay, I get it a little. Um, it's weird because my natural home isn't like super lyrical East Coast type of sound, except for like a lot of the Griselda dudes recently. Um, Any, I've Any. really, really been liking. Yeah, like, like uh, I really liked a lot of their music, and so this kind of sound mixed with his like lyrical ability was just like it was amazing, and it was amazing because like it also had different sounds on it. Like mm-hmm. he like adapted to different beats and different sounds on it that were really good. Like, um, and what I liked most about him is he was really lyrical and he's talking about things without being kind of like preachy about what he's trying to like talk about, if that makes sense. You know, like sometimes when people have a message or they're trying to talk about a topic or they're trying to do something, all they're doing is like saying the topic versus him. He's just rapping really well. And you get like a feeling from what he's talking about, like whether it's a story or whether it's just like a situation. And in that way, it kind of reminded me, I don't know if you listen to like Vince Staples much and he kind of yes. does that a lot. Oh, we, yeah. we love that last album. That last oh album. yeah. Okay, that's great. Cause, cause yeah, I'm a huge Vince Staples fan and that's what I like about Vince Staples a lot. Really smart dude. And he mm-hmm. does it without being like overtly messagey, if that makes right. sense, you know? Um, yeah. And so I, I really, really enjoyed it. Like uh, I loved how he, uh, like I love the production on it. I love the uh, how Westside Gun was kind of in there a little bit. A few boom, 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 booms. A few uh, other little ad libs, and then a few uh, features on there. Um, I just really, really enjoyed it. It was a very enjoyable album that I was like um, surprised by. Um, especially like I said, after the beginning, kind of was like oh, a little bit, and then even the production. Like, I thought it was great. Um, yeah, overall, I really, really enjoyed the album. Um, one of the things, too, I kind of took note of is he made so many little odes to various rappers throughout the album. Yes. Like, he has... Constantly mentioning. Yeah, and not even just mention him only, but even there's times where he took someone's flow. Like, he took one of uh, the ones from 50 Cent's song. Uh, I forgot which song it was, but it was from uh, Get Rich or Die Trying. And um, he literally took the flow and just, like, said some lines from that. He sampled 
the Tupac part uh, on one of his songs. Well, I can't really quote that one right here, but um, he took that part. He talks, uh, he had some references to, to Jay-Z and uh, Nas and some of the Blueprint album there. And I was like, that's really cool how he's just kind of like subtly putting that throughout the album and just kind of like, it felt like he was kind of just showing off a little bit in a good yeah, way. <laughs> a very good way. Um, Savon, to you, kind of like what were what, what were some of your thoughts on uh, just just how this album sounded, the, the differences in it and and you know the East Coast vibe that, that it really gave. You know, this was a well thought out album, and mm. I I love the storytelling. You know, it really kind of paired it to my hip hop side, like you know yeah. the Slick Rick, the Nas, like one of those. You can tell that he he really listened to you know connoisseur of hip hop, and you can tell like the vibes that he put out. I love the features he had on his album. I love the lyricism. But I just love how every beat, every beat that he has on his album fits his voice. And it's just like, I always say this, well, it's it's an added instrument, the voice is. Because if you have a great beat and the rapper or singer voice doesn't gel with it and it feels forced, then it's not going to be perfect. But every beat, his voice just slides on it. It glides. Mm -hmm. That's 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 one of the first things I, I listen to for a rapper. Like his voice... Like his MC, his voice, how he how he articulates his punchlines, his lyricism, and how he can switch up his flows at the right moments. And I kind of paired this to what Nas said too, because you look at let's look look at Biggie. Biggie was like the ideal guy because he had the melodies, he knew mm-hmm. how to switch up his voice, um, switch up his cadence when need be. He like he had everything. His voice slide. Uh, but black is ugly. However, I stay coochie down to the side, like his voice mm-hmm. glided. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so with with uh, with um, with him, man, is every yeah. This was this was a uh, dope album. It wasn't. Hold on, it was like fifty songs. Was it fifty songs? I think it was like fifteen. <laughs> hold up. We yeah, always do this. 16. We all, we always check. We always check the the, the, the song total because we're we're into like concise albums, Kevin. Like like we really love concise. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm fine. Like usually, like well, I don't know how concise y'all mean, but like I'm good with like a twelve. Yes, twelve, yeah. maybe thirteen. Yes, you know, like, like that's usually season. a sweet spot for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like because even even when I got this, when I pulled the album up, I remember looking. I was like, oh, that's. A, that's a lot, especially <laughs> yes, whenever. Yes, that's the yeah. first impression. Like, oh, whoa, I gotta listen. Well, to especially, songs. yeah, especially <laughs> sometimes if, if you're like going into like the the rapidy rap rappers. Yeah. Sometimes I even, even as much as I can get into that and love like getting really lyrical with people and just hearing that. Sometimes you know, like I'll be like, okay, I get it after this many songs. It's kind of <laughs> uh, like I need. I need a palate cleanse. It's like you're eating really yeah, good. Really. Sometimes you need something <laughs> sweet, you know? No, and, I'm, and... I'm still stuck on the rapidy rap rappers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, th- that's always the phrase. I don't know. I forgot where I've heard it from, but it's, that's always the, the phrase Corny, when I listen bro. to something. And yeah, and so, mm-hmm. like, I consider when I listen to this or when I'm listening to people who are real lyrical, I'm like, oh, this is like healthy, good eating. But I also do enjoy the other stuff, too. And so, um, gotta eat my he... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the thing on this album. He like kind of gives a lot of different things. I could even see people who aren't super into all the lyrical rap, maybe not loving all of the album, but there's going to be songs on there that they're like, oh, I, I can still like get this. I still really enjoy this a lot. Yeah. And then especially people who appreciate like good rapping and storytelling, they're going to like this, you know. 
Um, yeah. The sound of it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, I don't like uh, I listened to I really like Freddie Gibbs album last year yeah. and Killer. the production and the feel like it mm-hmm. felt kind of like that my impression like I was like oh I just get that feel kind of a similar way from it as as what his album was like and so that that kind of had a good familiar like oh man this is how I feel like I can just see myself listening to this album and then forgetting a little bit and then back in November like just putting it back on when it's cold outside you know mm-hmm. definitely. And, and, and you were you were mentioned like like some like you know Ben Staples. Have, have there been any other like rap albums this year for you, Kevin? That have kind of like stood out and you feel as though are going to be like constant like replayable type albums for you? Oh yes. <laughs> um, I've been waiting for this one. I I, I enjoyed <laughs> uh, yeah I, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed J Cole's album. I really really liked the off yeah. season. I, um, I really really liked. You still uh, didn't like it, Sable? <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't oh, like ahead, it. Kevin. Oh, okay, well, yeah, I, I liked that one. I liked uh, Tyler the Creator's album a lot. Yes, um, it's yeah, it's weird because I've never like y'all don't understand how much I used to not like Tyler the Creator at all, and I still don't like his old music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, see, and and the reason I appreciate it is because I've really I, I'm a huge like I'm talking about I've read biographies. I'm a big Kanye fan, kind of yeah. like as Top in. Five. Top yeah, five. like Kanye fan. And then also production-wise, a big Pharrell fan, like the Neptunes yeah. and all that. And so hearing Tyler, the creator's production and sound and feel of his songs, like the last like okay. two and a half albums, has mm-hmm. been just like incredible for me. So I've just really enjoyed that. Uh, I've liked that album a lot. I love Vince Staples' album. Um, like Vince Staples is like one of the most underrated rappers like in the last like yep. chunk of years. I don't, I don't know yep. how many just... And, and even even him at first, there's some of the experimenty stuff sometimes, like from the first couple of albums that I'm like, that's okay. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I also, I really like him being more kind of West Coast. Well, West Coast rap is like my favorite rap. Um, yeah. My family's all from California. So like I grew up listening to that. That was my previous bias against the East Coast, like uh, lyrical rap. You know, that yeah. was what it used to be. Until I listened to it on my own, I appreciate it now. But uh so like with FM, I love FM. Even though Vince Staples has a weird way, man, he'll he'll like have your head bob into a song that's like super dark. <laughs> like all of a sudden, you realize he's talking about like you know trauma and stuff, and you're like, oh okay, I don't know if I should feel good during this song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but his his album, I really appreciated. There's a ton of people, obviously, since things are opening up and people want to go on tour. A lot so of people. Many more new albums. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, so everyone's been holding on to music or refining their mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a good chunk of. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember that there's probably something else that's like uh, that I'm forgetting about. Um, oh, I mean, there's a couple R&B albums that I enjoy, but like in regards to oh, yeah. hip hop, like, hey, you can mention R&B too. Oh, okay, yeah. Too. I mean, I like uh, Mariah the Scientist. Uh, I liked her album a lot. I haven't really gotten to listen to uh, Snow Allegra's as much as I want to yet, so. Um, I don't know too much on hers fully. Yeah, yeah. I've I've listened to two songs like a couple of times, but I haven't really got to give it like a full listen because there was like five albums that dropped and we were on vacation. So I wasn't even like in the space to really give an appropriate listen, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, And then, uh, man, I'm trying to remember. There's been so much music been coming out. And so... Which has made me happy, and just particular from artists I enjoy too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then one it's of my other turn. favorite rappers I'm waiting for, but I've been waiting for about four years is Kendrick. So 
Oh my god! Hey, when they, when they, hey, you already got an invite. Whenever the Kendrick album comes oh. out, you're you're, you're going to be our, yeah, our I'm first totally, guest. I'm totally, I'm totally fine with that because <laughs> that, that might waiting. be next year. It might <laughs> never happen. He might have retired, and we just don't know. He might um, have. He honestly know. might. And <laughs> yeah, then, nothing left to prove. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's, he you should know, be on the new Isaiah Rashad album. I mean, I well, that's, be that's the other one I was going to say. I'm a huge Isaiah Rashad fan too. Um, <laughs> although I would tell anybody if they want to like go to his concert. It's not a good concert. <laughs> like Party like, Next Door. I'm a big Party Next Door fan, but his concerts are trash. Oh, for real? Yeah, that's how Isaiah's was, man. And I, I was there, and I was like, man, this concert's terrible. Like, he was just kind of standing there, just kind of like, I think he was really high at the time, too. And, like, <laughs> he wasn't, like, a cool, fun high. He was just there, like, like boring high, I guess. And so I remember I was like, man, I love these songs, but you could have just pushed play on a playlist, and I probably still just enjoyed it with people. <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't mean to, you know, hijack it. Did you like Lay With You featuring Duke Deuce? Did you like uh, that song? I like it in a car, playing it real loud, like the first part of it. <laughs> exactly. That part's fun. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I if feel I, you. not my but normal. The entire song in totality. <laughs> nah, it was okay. It was okay. But I liked the beginning part if I'm playing it real loud in a car driving around or something, you know? Because I'm, I'm real particular at times. Like, I'll be like, oh, I got to listen with my headphones. I got to listen in the car. <laughs> I got to play it on my little Bose speaker. <laughs> like, where does this sound good at? Like, you know? Oh. And so, does nobody find that funny besides me? You <laughs> 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 said, well, I like to hear it in a car. Like, it is the type of song you would bump in a car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it in a car. I didn't like it oh, with really? green eggs and ham. I didn't like it in the studio. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Like, it wasn't a good song. For your yeah. locals was a dope track. Ed Shots was yeah. tough. Yeah. That, that yeah, felt yeah, more yeah. like him. That that yes, one felt exactly. more like a him song. Like I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. You're not completely changing it, you know. July I thought it was 30th. fine. I don't play it much, you next, know. Next Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm pretty excited That's for good. that because it's been it's been a few years for him. I mean, TDE puts out albums every. They wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they wait. <laughs> they know how to wait. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, it comes out. I mean, for the most part, pretty good quality. But man, it, it is. Yeah, it is. And SZA, SZA, we're still waiting on SZA too. She's not on hook either. She's not on hook. I just want her to drop that one song off her tip to TikTok song that everybody was dancing to. I just wanted to drop that. Just drop that one. She actually sung it live. It was really good. Yeah, that's the thing. She sung it live. Yeah. It was really good. Crazy. Yeah. Um, But but, but now transitioning to Brent Faiyaz and and Drake's uh, new song, Wasting Time, and just thoughts on um, how this collab worked. Um, This new single released at the beginning of July, produced by Neptunes, contained just lush sense and booming 808s. Um, Brent is dealing with an appeal to the object of his affections, and Drake uh, Drake's verse goes further into the simmering tension. Um, but Kevin, to you, like, how did you feel about it, how this collab played out, and what worked the most in it to you? Uh, I think it's appropriately titled. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Drake's verse, um, and I wish that his verse was on a better song. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the song. It, it's fine. Like, it's it's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Like, mm-hmm. but. I'm not personally the hugest Brent Fires fan, like, yet. What? I do like him. I've recently, like, I have a friend who's been, like, our friend Tyree's been, like, hey, listen to him, listen to him. And I have yeah. started to listen to him because he reminds me of Slim, uh, like, from once, the voice-wise a little bit. Um, and I have liked him a little bit, but it, it was, it was, it felt like one of those, yeah, it felt like one of those collabs that didn't feel, like, as good as each person was, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Like, like you would think, oh man, if I like this sound from this dude and I like Drake because he can just fit anywhere usually on stuff, yeah, um, that it would be great. But it was kind of like, oh, it was it was cool, 
I mean, th- that's honestly kind of my biggest opinion of it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Game it's fun probably away. somewhere else, but it was cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, Savon, to you, kind of like, what were your initial thoughts of this one? Um, I love the concept. Um, <laughs> Brent Fires know how to write music. I, I mean, I just, I love his sound and music, but I didn't think Drake fit on the track. I think his verse, he wrote with another beat, mm. and he tried to fit, like, the first half to the song and then wrote the remaining verse. It, that's what it made, it just, because it didn't fit this track. It didn't fit. Like, how he came on, I was like, well, Drake must be drunk, or Drake <laughs> Drake did something before he wrote this. Like, this is not, and I listened to, like, four or five times, and I'm vibing to Brent's part, and then Drake gets to it, I'm like... What? Maybe I mean, it still haven't grown on me. I don't think it's this, is, this is what this is what not putting out an album you 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 promised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that this was that's not a long time ago. That was rumored in February before he hurt his leg, and now exactly. it's like it takes no. that long to put it out. This <laughs> man has been marketing certified lover boy since two thousand and nine. Drop it already. <laughs> Just give it to us. Come on, man! It was supposed to drop last year. But then you roll over, got you a billboard. Okay, cool for you, buddy. Drop the music. And then you're supposed to be the end of the summer. You don't, you know, man, just drop the music. But I just think Drake <laughs> fit on this on this song. He should have had mm-hmm. somebody else on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and now to our last topic with um, Kanye West's uh, upcoming album, Donda. And, you know, he, this just the, the, the news of it and the surprise of just when it was going to come out supposed to come out um last night but but did not he had a a live event at the mercedes-benz uh Benz stadium and there were gospel themes in it you know he had a just a lot of features uh a playboy cardi uh, uh, uh travis scott had a surprising one with jay-z at the end um kevin to you in terms of just like the process of of how kanye puts out albums you know this was this was even supposed to come out last year that there's been a lot of hype of, of donda and 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 the release of it um, what were your thoughts on just the preparation of it and what are you kind of expecting from it like when it actually fully comes out? Um, yeah, so I'm like I said, I'm a huge Kanye fan. So I I know of like 12 albums that haven't come out that were gonna come out or <laughs> or albums that were gonna come out on a certain date. I, I remember even when you messaged me about like uh oh hey, Kanye's album's gonna come out, and I and I hadn't replied yet, but my first thought was is it though? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it? And then I was like, well, there's a Beats commercial now and he has a whole stadium. I was like, yeah. I let my guard down for just a little bit to stay up till, <laughs> then it, then it, yeah, uh, till 11 yeah. my time, you know, midnight Eastern time. And when always... I went on Spotify, it was like frozen on Kanye, actually. <laughs> like it was actually frozen. Like, and I saw other people yeah, tweeting that their stuff was frozen and no album yet. So, <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's very few artists, obviously, who can, do that something do like that. this. I mean, who can say, hey, here's a 70,000 member stadium. I'm going to be just walking around on a plane well, thing. Well, just said that before the podcast started. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and and everyone's going to come. Like, everyone. Like, as many people, like, you don't have to worry about trying to fill it. It's going to be whatever, whoever can get there will be there. Um, and it's crazy because, again, especially from just all the type of backlash and all the types of different things that he's done, and said um, things that I, I mean that I have critiques of too myself. But even still, it's gonna it, no matter what it does, and no matter what the previous albums were like, it's always gonna be an event. And always, 
very few people can do. He's an album artist. Oh, he is. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like he's very much an album artist. Like, I, I remember someone asked the other day, like, they were saying about, can you name your favorite Kanye single? And I, I absolutely can't because I don't even yeah. listen to Kanye mm, in, like, really? singles. Like, <laughs> I, I listen, gotta listen to albums. Yeah, I listen to an album and, like, occasionally there might be a random song. But, like, I, when I hear a song, I'm thinking, oh, he put it in front of the other one for a reason. Or, like, it's part of the whole process of it. And so... Yeah, I'm 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 expecting certain things. You know, weirdly, I expect whenever he releases it for there to be more of him on the album. Yeah. Um it almost felt borderline like it's like a DJ Khaled like thing. And, <laughs> and like the features were incredible actually. Like Oh, amazing features. Like there were so many good features. Like uh Dark was killing it, Baby's verse was amazing. Like it was Roddy uh, Rich. Yeah, Roddy Rich, uh, everybody except for um the greatest rapper of all time. <laughs> that was another observation. Wow. Th- th- that verse was like a little... <laughs> um, no, I think I was excited about hearing his voice. Yeah. And then when I thought back to God in my cell, that's a celly. Uh, creating God's image, that's a selfie. I was like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <What? laughs> Come on, Hove. I was like, wait, I was just really excited to hear nah. to hear this isn't there. the blueprint. This isn't the blueprint hove. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even it's not even the uh Magna Carta hove, which wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. but they said he created it like four hours before that. And I was like, Yeah, okay, that may showed. Makes it sense. Showed. <laughs> That's why writing comes in handy, Mr. I just want to freestyle things. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to write anymore. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that as much. You're getting a little older now, so you know you might have to write that down. Yeah, um, Savon, so you kind of like what are your expectations of of how like it like like Kevin was saying, it's always an event when Kanye comes out with a new album. Like, what are your expectations for the event that it will be when it does come out, and just the things you can expect in it? Because there's also always gospel themes, but there's also modern type songs with, with a Playboy Cardi type, and he's going to infuse a lot of different sounds in it. I have no expectations for this, to be honest with you. I don't know. I, I always expect the unexpected when it comes to Kanye because he's not yeah. normal when it comes to music. Uh, you, you look at the last gospel album, who who would have thought he would have dropped a gospel album after dropping <laughs> I mean. the Illuminati album? I don't know. What, what he, got? He, stretches <laughs> in five, he got some dad stretching his hands to somebody. I don't know. Sometimes I don't even expect. Because I'm a, you know, I think Kanye is top five. He's in my top five of Absolutely. best rappers of all time. But when I just don't, ex- I don't have expectation when it comes to his music because I want to be surprised because he's such a musical genius when it comes to production and, and, and rapping that you just want to just like, okay, I don't want to know your direction. I just want you to tell me your direction when I listen to your music. I want to be completely surprised. I want to be... Excuse me. I want to be completely naked and new, guys. I want to go in the situation with naked ears. That's what I want to do. Mm. I want no expectations. Yeah. I just want to listen to his music and enjoy it. You know, Savon, we always talk. We always talk about top three albums with our favorite artists. We, we did it with with Drake. Like for <laughs> me, for Kanye, it would it would it would probably be Graduation, Life of Pablo, and My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Life Is there a Pablo? top three that I, I, Life of Pablo to me was a really good album? Top really, three, really good album. Well, in terms of my favorite, I'm not saying it's it's top three like of his best, but like oh, also, your favorite, labor, yeah, yeah, oh, late registration definitely uh, up, up there as well. But oh, that's my would favorite. You, like in terms of in terms of favorites, like like what would you guys say like for some of your like favorite Kanye albums? Oh my, I, I've I've already had 
I've regularly went through my list. Like, this is like a list I always have. I mean, for me, I mean, if I just say three, I mean, Late Registration is probably my favorite album ever, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. it's at least one of my favorites ever. It's, it's a mix of, like, I was, I think I was 13 or something when it came out. And some people said, like, <laughs> when you're, like, 12 to 14, whatever album you wind up liking usually winds up being one of your favorites ever, too. Um, but uh, Late Registration like, uh, is my number one. Then College Dropout. Then graduation, um, then uh, beautiful dark twisted fantasy, then eight oh eights, then oh, life of Pablo. Gotta add that in. Um, then uh, what's the other ones? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is number twelve thousand and four hundred and sixty three. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, at least that. that was, uh, I, I, I do not like the album. It's weird. My wife has progressively started liking it more and more. I like like two songs from it. Um, yeah. But I will say it's a lot better, at least than the, what was the one he released a couple years ago? Was it Yay? Was it Yay. Yeah. I, I really don't even count oh, that in my mind. Like that one was like, <laughs> that was, <Seven. laughs> yeah, that was just weird. Like that was a whole weird moment. But yeah, that one was, I feel yeah. like, I don't, I don't know what to say about that one, but um like, at least, even though I don't like Jesus, I was like, I at least get why some people like it. Like, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't even... I don't know who likes Ye. Yeah, it's just <laughs> normal. It's like, it just sounded regular for him. Whereas every album he usually comes out is like groundbreaking, even if you don't like it. Like I said, Jesus is like that, even though I don't like it. I can appreciate it. I just don't personally like it. Um, and I do like Life of Pablo, too, actually. When I have Life of Pablo as like my seventh favorite Kanye album, I still really, really like it. Um, like, I still really, really enjoy it. It just speaks to like, in my opinion, the greatest like rap discography ever that Kanye has. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not necessarily saying he's the best ever. I'm just saying like discography and especially percentage of how good his albums are. Like he's up there. Yeah. Up there. Um, and so uh, that's usually my, especially the top three for sure, like cemented of like late registration, then college dropout and then graduation. Um, late registration is amazing to me. I love it. Absolutely love it. Definitely. Savon, do you kind of like, what would be some of your favorites of Kanye? Top three, watch Watch the Throne. You guys forgot about that. No Jesus. Oh, yes. There, but yeah. 85% of Watch the Throne is Kanye production. Oh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll do, it's a, man, I'll do late registration number two and then graduation number three. Because mm. I listen to late registration more, but I like some of more of the songs of graduation. Like champion, stronger. Like his his production was stupid crazy. Everything, everything I am. Or graduation. Yeah. <laughs> like how you make a great song out of that? Like for who does this? Only Kanye. Yeah. yeah. Find your dreams. Like come yeah. on, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Now you making me want to uh, go listen to Kanye. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing after the podcast. Yep, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> Kanye is a goat, man. Yeah, Yeah. we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our flight review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our flight review. And to start with the overview, Flight is a 2012 drama film directed by Robert Zemeckis, written uh, by John uh, Gattins and produced by Walter F. Parks, Lori McDonald, Steve Sarvey, Zemeckis, and uh, Jack Rapp, starring Denzel Washington as William Whip Whitaker, a senior and alcoholic airplane pilot, miraculously crash lands his plane after a mechanical failure, saving nearly everyone on board. Um, immediately following the crash, he's hailed a hero. But an investigation soon leads to questions that put the captain in a different light. This film also loosely inspired by, is, is loosely inspired by the plane crash of Alaska Airlines Flight 261, 
Don Cheeto, Kelly Riley, John Goodman, Bruce Greenwood, and Melissa Leo um, are also in the cast. It had a 77% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Denzel was nominated for Best Actor in the Academy Awards, and John Gans was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, but to start off, Kevin, like, what were your initial thoughts of this film as one that was a thoughtful and provocative character study that was um, really prepared well by Denzel's performance? Yeah, uh, I, I, as I mentioned kind of earlier a little bit, I hadn't watched this movie in quite a while. I remember watching it in theaters and when it came out, um, Denzel, obviously, almost anything he comes out with, um, you know, game to watch. Um, yeah. And, you know, in a really weird way, I was thinking about this. This movie is kind of almost a perfect Denzel movie and here, in, or to represent a large part of his career. And here's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um the 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 story of the movie isn't like some incredible groundbreaking story if that makes sense um right. even some of the characters are almost besides him are are a little like oh okay he has a crazy kind of drug dealer friend there's this guy who's doing this or uh Don Cheeto coming in and these are like incredible actors kind of almost playing like oh, they're like they're almost overqualified actors playing a role yeah. if that makes sense and i think for a large part of Denzel's career I almost compare him to like LeBron on the Cavs, like the first run. He like carries some solid movies that would be solid movies if it was any other actor in that movie, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like if it would, you put any other random actor in that role, the movie wouldn't really even be one that we would kind of like go back and watch very often. But Denzel is like so incredible and can Mm -hmm. carry a whole thing. He can make okay movies really good and he can make pretty good movies great. You know, and so when I was watching Flight, I was kind of really thinking through that. Like Denzel is such a good actor. He can just like carry this and do so well. Um, One of the parts that I didn't really think of as much was just kind of like that. I didn't notice the first time was just all the different kind of religious imagery that's in the movie. You know, like it's very like overt the way they talk about things, the way that. They show the church stuff at times, even him on the plane trying to avoid hitting that a little bit at first. Like mm-hmm. he's about to crash land. He still tries to tilt the plane a little bit away, you know? Goodness. Um, yeah. There's there's crosses in different places. Um, the the lady, uh, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. I forgot her name, uh, but she's a Christian. And, you know, he's talking about these different things. And she's like, oh, you know, save me, I'll save you a seat at church and, you know, all this stuff. And um, even and, and then in one of the big, you could almost call it a conversion moment at the very end, you know, whenever he finally says like what he did and how he's not going to put um, the Katarina lady, he's not going to make her look bad just to get himself uh, off and get away from something. Literally what he says is God help me <laughs> right exactly. before he starts saying that. And it was interesting because I never noticed like how much of that was in the movie the first time I watched it. Um but yeah, overall, like, I mean, I really enjoyed it. You know, uh, like I said, Denzel could be in a, a very bland movie and he's going to make it a very good movie. Not to say that Elevate this is a bland it. movie, but, you know, like, yeah. that's that's Denzel, man. He's, he's incredible. Absolutely. Um, Savon, so you kind of like, what were your initial thoughts of this film and the type of performance um, later in Denzel's, Denzel's career that he's able to put together and um, just, it's a different type of performance for, for him? Uh, simple script to be honest with you, and you just realize how great Denzel is, how, mm-hmm. how much range he has as a, an individual actor. 
and how he can string along this simple script to make this big, <laughs> big, big nominee for best actor and best screenplay. I don't know why. It's a simple. Uh, yeah. A guy is drunk on an air, air pilot, is drunk, and he crashes, and then now you face legal, and then that's it, right? Cut, paste, dry. But Tinsel is go. so good. It's yeah. just like you expand on it, and you really – they how – Great, he does. No, that's not perfect English, guys. He he has the ability to create and develop more of the character in himself than the 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 script actually puts on. at in the mm-hmm. beginning, he knows how to yes. you know just I don't know. He just knows how to just spin it, like you know, like like you know, just spin. I wish you could see my hands. That's why we need to be live. <laughs> I'm actually, like pulling my hands together, stretching them, stretch your hands to the father. Shut your hands right now. Congregation, <laughs> congregation. You're the only He's power. He's got miracles on me. You're the only power. Yeah. But no, simple script, man. Denzel just, just expands on it and then makes it a classic, to be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to start with our first topic, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, Kevin, for, for this rating from one to four stars, what would be, be your particular one and kind of some of your reasons for it? Um... If if it if it can if I can cheat a little, I would say like a two point five. Ooh, okay. Like the what? reason I say that is because <laughs> I think like a three out of four. Like I was mean, <laughs> you know, a three out of four would mean I'm giving it almost like a eight, like an eighty percent. You know, right? Um, whereas I think it's a it's like you said, it's a simple script. Now Denzel's performance is like you know four out of four. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it, this movie's kind of whenever he whenever uh, Savon was talking just now, I was like, yeah, this movie's like the 07 Cavs, <laughs> like you know, you have LeBron, Boogie Gibson, and all these other guys, all these That's other the fellas. Best not ever. <laughs> it really is like that. And you know, Denzel actually, I'm thinking about it now. He might kind of have a similar run to like like LeBron, like he can just carry stuff and occasionally. He'll get like some good teammates and have like a great, you know. Occasionally, he has the Malcolm X or you know uh, uh, mm-hmm. other movies that are like I mean, yeah. yes, yes. And mm-hmm. but then he also has you know like I love uh, what's the action movie? My mind just went blank. Equalizer. Man on uh, yeah, Equalizer. Oh, <clears throat> either one of those Man are Man very simple too. <laughs> but like Denzel is like incredible. Man on is way better. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I, I would say it is. Yeah, for sure. And, he, you know, honestly, even Training Day is not necessarily original in the sense of like, oh, it's a crooked cop with an innocent cop who's naive, you know. Um, and I love Training Training Day is one of my favorite movies, but because of Denzel, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that one was, again, a little bit better, but he, it's not like it was the most complicated writing. You know, it wasn't like the most complicated thing. But yeah, so that, that, that's that's about what I would put it. Um, mostly because I would try to hold off that three to like a movie I really, really, really like, like at least in a few other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's like bad, so I don't want to leave it at a two, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, for me, I probably would, would, would go with a three. Like it, it was a quality film. And even though, you know, this had a dark story, it was still able to shine a light and just, yeah. you know, kind of end on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, Savon, kind of like what would be your rating from uh, One of Four Stars? You guys are crazy. You know why? Oh, it's goodness. just four. It's a four out of four, oh. guys. Whoa. It's a four out of four. You've you know simple. why? <laughs> wow. Let me explain because... It's a simple script that got best actor in screenplay, a nominee. That's a four out of four stars, my guys. You got to look at it. I know it's 07 Cavs, but they were nominated twice. Not once, but twice. Four out of four stars. Four out of four. All right. 
No, I'm lying. No, I didn't say this for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a four. I'm saying it's four. I'm saying it's four. but it was nominated twice. Yeah. Best actor. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and now transitioning to our to our, our topic of favorite character, um, for, for me it would be Whip as you know he just has an impressive range, and it's fascinating how this hero goes from you know confidence to denial to fear to, to devastation, and it's just combining so many uh, amazing effects and tension. Um, to you, Kevin, who was your overall um, favorite character in Flight? Oh, I mean, it's it's definitely Whip. I mean, uh, just like everything you said. So really, nothing extra. I, I just want to give a little credit to. Uh, I randomly really like John Goodman. That's my um, He's mm-hmm. he's so good in so many things, and he's like I said, he's kind of almost an overqualified like devil on his shoulder character in this movie. Exactly. You know, like telling you to do the bad thing and doing this, and he's funny, like yes. and he's all this, but but he's not. He wasn't, you know, better than Denzel. No, no, I, <laughs> I don't know. Know. not at all. Yeah, if I said that, it'd be like how they when they gave uh, I keep giving NBA comparisons, but like how they gave Iguodala <laughs> the MVP over Curry. It's like wait. He wasn't yeah. more important. Yeah, what are you he doing? Put it over the top, <laughs> but he didn't cause them to win. Exactly. You know, and so yeah. So I mean, it's whip, but I, I did like uh, uh, John Goodman's character too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, save on to you. Kind of like who was your overall favorite character? For sure, John Goodman's Curly Hurley Mays. Soon as he wakes up, man, he has a lawyer <laughs> for him. He was asked to what what medicine it got him on. Like, what is it, amateur hour? Like, get the doctor in. Dude was super funny. He, he was definitely devil's on his shoulder. He advocated everything <laughs> for yeah. him and just condoned all of the cocaine, drugs, just all the stuff that Whip was doing. He did not bat an eye. He was, and he was part of the union too. So the union guys were very strict about that of taking care of their own. But yeah, yeah, no, Harley Mays was definitely one of my favorite characters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, transitioning to most memorable scenes, um, I had the free fall scene where Whip attempts to pull the flight um, out of a nosedive. Mm-hmm. Also, Whip revealing his alcohol addiction and divulging that he can no longer hide from the truth. Yeah. Um, the uh, the I drank three bottles scene where Whip contemplates selling out of an innocent woman in order to get his case dismissed. Um, we're talking jail time uh, where Hugh breaks uh, how badly things go for Whip. And then finally, at least I'm sober, where Whip comes to terms with himself. Uh, Kevin, to you, kind of like what were some of your memorable scenes from this movie? Um, I mean, the, the first two you mentioned are probably the most memorable. That right. that flight scene is terrifying. Like, <laughs> like it is, and it's terrifying because it's not so. They don't like uh, how do I word it? Like they don't make it too crazy to where nothing small happens. But it's like every small thing when someone fell down and the way they showed them falling and the little crack you hear and all that that. Yeah, the, the, that scene and just the idea of being on a plane when that's happening is insanely memorable. And obviously him being in the state that he was, but being all calm and collected while the chaos is going on. Um, just his performance there was really, really good. And so that whole scene was really good. And then, of course, just the end whenever he, you know, takes a sip of water and says, God help me. And then says she doesn't that she wasn't the one who did it because I did it. And, you know, mm-hmm. in fact, I'm drunk right now. Like, that's. It's, it's hard for dad. Those are the ones that I still remembered, even though I hadn't watched the movie in a minute. Like, I still right. remembered those scenes. And then when I watched it again, I'm like, oh, this is going to stick for a little while. Yeah, definitely. Um, save on to you. Kind of like, what, what were some of your memorable uh, scenes from this one? And just like, what stood out the most to you in them? Um, when he was talking to Don Cheadle's character, when they're first trying to figure out thing, how things are going to go, life in prison. And then him just, <laughs> I think it was such a, a dope scene because now you realize there the stuff that you haven't taken care of or dealt with with the the drug abuse, uh, the alcohol abuse. Now you're facing 
some time in prison because you almost kill passengers and you come into realization like, yo, is this real? And then he tried to like throw Don Cheeto to the side, like, bro, you don't know what you're yeah. talking about, whatever, whatever. And it was like, you found. Then he tried to say, well, it doesn't matter. I had a couple beers before <laughs> the night before. <laughs> Justifying, <laughs> but I think that scene was a dope scene because it realized how um, deep down he was about, or kind of just naive about how strong his addiction was to alcohol and substance abuse. So I think that was a scene to just realization, like, yo, maybe I do have a problem, but I'm not gonna say I have a problem because I don't want to go to jail. It. Yeah, I don't want to go to jail. So yeah, it was a good scene. Yeah, um, and now transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had my work here is finished. See you on the dark side of the moon from uh, from Harling Mays. This was an act of God from Hugh. Um, this essay, the essay that I have to write, it's called the most fascinating fascinating person that I've never met from Will. And finally, no one could have landed that plate that plane like I did. Um, no one from Whip. Uh, Savon, so you kind of like what was some of your memorable quotes uh, uh, for, from 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 the one that I from from some that I mentioned also just overall from what you observed. Definitely the uh, the one you just said. No one could land that plane like I could. That was one of the. I mean, I mean, he was pigheaded, but he was. I think he was right. No one could land that plane like him. And then Harley Mays, man, he was like, "All right, gentlemen." Um, no, 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 no. He was like to the nurse, "Honey, could you hustle us with a couple of daiquiris and a cocktail weed?" On the second thought, just bring the booze. I brought my whole weed. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, she's offended. She should be. I'm a pig and I hate me. That's what we have yeah. in common. Nurse Red, we both, yeah. So just like his character, man, it was super stupid, dumb, funny. Uh, he mm-hmm. brought that lightness to it, but he just condones all of it. Like, dude just got off the plane, crashed it because he had alcohol and stuff in his system. Now you want him mm-hmm. to drink again while he's mm-hmm. on medication. So, yeah, you tell what good friend he is. Yeah, Kevin. So you kind of like what were some of your overall like memorable quotes from this one? <laughs> the the one that you said the the funny one was hilarious. That made like that was like one of the the hardest laughing parts I had. But for sure, um, yeah, c- kind of like the whenever you mentioned earlier the one about um, no one could land the plane, and here's mm-hmm. why: because it made me really think about how many people who are like talented can just kind of like go on and do things and do whatever and all their behavior is kind of justified because they're good at something, you know, yeah. like they're really skilled or they're really um, just have a lot of talent or ability. You think of people who, or in some cases for people who have money, um, it just made me think like people can skate through, through a lot of crazy things because they're just excellent at maybe one thing they do, whether it's like a leader of an organization, whether it's a politician whether in this case he's a pilot who's good at what he does, you know, like he's like, I know I'm good, even if I'm out here. Because if you didn't think you were good, you're definitely not going to be doing those things, you know, inebriated, you know, and coming off of a couple of days of drinking and all these kind of things. Like you have to have a certain kind of confidence in yourself to even be able to do that. And and it yeah. kind of almost masks then like these other areas because you're like, hey, I'm still doing this good. So if I'm still doing this good, really the rest of my life must be taken care of. I must not be that bad of an addict, you know, if, if I'm still doing this part good. Yeah, definitely. Um, transitioning to what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to me, just how the film was grounded on just obsessive control from its main character and the way um, the guarded motivations from who will project it, but just balance at the same time. I thought that was able to mesh really well. Um, to you, Kevin, kind of like what element in particular about this storyline or just how this movie played out did, did that that you kind of like the most? 
Yeah, uh, I think one thing that was really, really good um, is the way that he's obviously the main character and like you kind of want to see it work out for him. But then he's kind of doing things that make you go, man, I don't know if I really want it to work out fully. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, like you talk about the example where uh, he's considering some other lady and those things happening or even, you know, just kind of his behaviors and actions and his attitude about things it kind of puts you in this weird position. Like, do I really want to fully root for this person if they're not going to really like own up to certain things, you know? And so, um, but the way they do that, and then they kind of put this kind of redemptive arc at the end with them that didn't feel too like, I mean, you kind of would probably guess it would something good would happen or something to some effect, like him learning a lesson, but I think they did it in a really good way. And uh, the way they wrapped it up, um, it kind of put you in a position to see this and to feel like, man, okay, good. Um, he feels kind of, fr- how does he say it? Like, even though he was in prison, like he feels free for the first time. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, just knowing that to say that would mean what he was bound in was pretty horrible, even though he was still doing it. Like he knew it was bad, you know? Um, Cause I mean, for me, man, going to prison is like my biggest fear of all time. Like yeah. I never, ever, ever want to be in prison, like ever. <laughs> yeah. And so for me to ever have something so bad to where so I'd severe. say, huh? Um, as something so, so severe to get to that point. Yeah. If I was having something go on so bad that I'm like, you know what? At least that's not going on, even though I'm here. That yeah. had, I think that highlights how bad what he was going through was, even though he wasn't willing to admit it at first. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Savon, to you, kind of like what element in particular um, about this storyline that you kind of like the most? That even when you have the the devil on your shoulder, <laughs> like um, uh, John Goodman's character, you still have to come to realization <clears throat> that you have to face your demons. You have right. to mm-hmm. you have to tell the truth. You have to be honest with yourself. And I think he did that. I think a lot of people would have opted out of telling the truth or you know facing those consequences. But I think he did it well. I think it was a a good um, ending to the story, I guess. But I mean, he still was a great pilot. I think he was a great guy, but just going through a lot. But I love that point of the character, though, because once again, it's a simple script. The entire mm-hmm. time we're going through a legal, a legal problem, going through the courts and all that stuff, but it's still highlighting a an individual person's in Denzel's character and how he's developing and how we peel back different onions of who he really is and why he does drink and do substance and stuff like that. So I think I just love the the, the character development that they um, Denzel does in every single movie he plays in. And I mean, that's basically the storyline I, I like. Yeah. And, and this is an open question. Either one of you can start first, but looking at the catalog of Denzel and what the output he's been able to put over like the, just the, the, the last just 20 plus years or 30 plus years, what do you guys think in particular just keeps him going on to be such a such a successful actor? And do you think we will ever see a run like this again um, from an actor in the position that he's in? So I think it's the character development that keeps him getting jobs and being able to do certain things in the, the music, not music, the, the movie industry. Because you look yeah. at, I mean, he, I feel like he has, or he played in family films like Preacher's Wife in his younger uh, younger days. He's played in military movies. He's played in boxing movies. He's played in action. He's played in everything you could think of. And in, in each film, he gives you that different character. Even Training Day, it's a simple right. script, right? But mm-hmm. the develop the conniving, just downright dirty, filthy, grimy police officer 
like that, you have to dive yeah. into that character. I don't think anybody else could have played that role. I Will Smith couldn't have played that role. Jamie Foxx possibly could have played that role, but not in the depth because mm-hmm. we've seen him play police officer roles before that really didn't translate to the screen. I, I mean, Samuel Jackson could not play that role. His younger year. mother trucker, like you, you don't want to hear <laughs> <laughs> that character. You always say that. <laughs> you don't want to see hear that character say that. So Denzel was the perfect person for that character to, you know, just in, you know, expand and give him different, different elements and different little eye movements. <laughs> you know, so it's just little stuff like that yep. that's not in the script, but he adds. So it's just like this character development. That's what the biggest, his biggest asset is, how he develops characters in every movie. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, to you, kind of like what overall stands out in terms of what Denzel's career has been and just what makes it so unique from other actors? Um, Kind of like what I said a little bit earlier. I, I think that there's very few actors. When, when people start to examine uh, like who the best actors are, are of all time, it's almost impossible for them to like kind of separate it from maybe how good the movie was. Mm-hmm. Um, like It could be an incredible movie. But it doesn't necessarily mean the person gave an incredible performance. They're like part of a really good movie. And maybe they're yeah. part of a lot of really good movies. Mm-hmm. And I think Denzel is like incredible because when he got those incredible scripts, like the few that he did, or I wouldn't say few, but like just the, 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 the chunk of ones that he did with like really good scripts, he killed it, knocked it out of the park. But even whenever he was getting ones that were just okay movies, like he gets okay movies and makes them very, very good. It's kind of like, like, I, I compared him to LeBron earlier. Like, LeBron is probably the best ever. I think he's going to be the best ever at being able to, like, carry an average team and make them good. I mean, better. yeah. Like, yeah. He, he, I don't think anyone else can do that to the level he did ever of all time. And I'm not saying, like, oh, if he's better than Jordan, better than whatever. I just mean in the sense of, like, because of how big he is and the multiple roles he plays, I think Denzel yeah. can um, do that in the same way. And so I think his legacy in that way is, like, when he had something good, he did as good as anybody ever. But whenever he, even when he didn't, he still had something that was enjoyable. Like you were still like, man, that was still fun to watch at worst. You know, um, it was still enjoyable. Like his performance is always going to carry it. Cause he, he just acts so well. Like his characters are just, yeah, I don't, it's hard to even put like a particular word for it. You just, I just like watching this cause of him, you know, if, even when he's in, I'm trying to think of random movies that have come out that we don't talk about. Like, what was wasn't there a Western? Uh, the Magnificent Seven? Yeah. Magnificent yeah, Seven. And then there was another buddy cop movie. I forgot what it was. It was like him and another. Oh, Two Guns. Yeah, Two, two Guns yeah. is. Ah, that was all right, yeah. It's an enjoyable movie, but it's not like you're going to like be like, hey, what's a classic movie? And someone says Two Guns, you know? Let's <laughs> turn on Two Guns. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But if you were at home and you were bored and it kind of came on, you might be like, oh, yeah. you know what? I'll just let it play. <laughs> I mean, Deja Vu is another underrated one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. I am. Com- see, I'm right now. I'm probably going to remember later. I forgot what that movie was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he has. He has so many. Like, like there, there's so many movies in Denzel's like overall, like just catalog. It's just like, like there's a movie Virt- Virtuosity I haven't even seen with Russell Crowe, like back in uh-huh. the 80s that many, many people talk about. And I think like that's another thing that that stands out to me is just how varied and storied his career is. And when you look at it, there are some movies that, that you even like that, that cross your mind and, and you don't even really fully remember them. Um, but to close it out with 10 years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? 
Um, I, I definitely think the performance that we saw from Denzel and how we, he was able to elevate just a simple storyline and the hero, you know, um, just the, the way it evolved and how we saw the depths to like where his addiction was going to take him. It's just a very fascinating um, development until the end of the movie. Kevin, like 10 years from now, like, what do you think will make this a watchable and intriguing movie? Well, I, I mean, I, I think just the general themes, although like Savant said, it was, Savant said it was simple. It's still a movie about like addiction and alcoholism and, and these kind yeah. of things that drive people to do things that they get trapped in that they don't, maybe they didn't fully realize the kind of consequence that it can put them in and like how, what it can do and everything. So I think that kind of angle is still always going to be intriguing. You know, it's always going to have kind of a, uh, of an understanding that like, this is a story about what it can do to somebody and how, when we don't quite like, uh, like what was said earlier, face the demons of what are going on, it's going to just continue until you face that, you know? And so I think that kind of idea is still always going to, going to, uh, communicate, I think I think sometimes this movie does get a little forgotten, um, mm-hmm. like it just kind of like doesn't really. Everyone doesn't it's bring not it mentioned, up. It's not mentioned as much. Yeah, exactly. Like people don't bring it up all the time, and like I said, when I, I like I said, I hadn't watched it in a little while until I watched it again. I was like, man, this is this is a very enjoyable and good movie. Like it was simple, but the characters that they had, they had like I said, when you have John Goodman, you have Don Cheadle, you have uh, Denzel Washington, like you have all these people in it. It's going to be good, and they're going to do well. Um, and so I, I think for those for those things, <laughs> in 10 years, yeah, people are going to keep watching it randomly. Say it's on Netflix, right? And they just throw it on. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, man, how come I never heard of this movie? <laughs> or, you know, how come no one brings <laughs> it up? You know, something like It's become like one of those underrated ones. Definitely. Um, uh, Savon, to you, kind of like 10 years from now, what do you think will make this a watch, but intriguing movie? Simple. Denzel. And that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. That's right. <laughs> let, the, let the mic drop <laughs> well Kevin it has been an absolute pleasure having you on for the first time and uh, thank you so much for being on man yeah for sure thank you guys for having me here absolutely well that wraps it up for tonight I'm Hill Swinton Burns along with my counterpart Savon Morris this has been Full Scope see you later <laughs>